want to invite you to turn in your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to be looking beginning at verse 14. Uh, the message today is, um, is a rather unusual one as opposed to all those normal ones I usually bring. And um, I, I have to tell you that, you know, last uh, Wednesday, on Wednesday Night Live, um, I, I brought a word from the book of Zephaniah about the pure language, and it was really more of, a, of an end-timey type of message for those of you who didn't hear it. And um, it was kind of an odd thing because I recorded Wednesday Night Live and uh, then Scott put it, posted it for us. And then I was just kind of hanging around in the sanctuary. You know, I was praying and just waiting. And all of a sudden, we started getting texts from a number of sources saying that there wasn't any audio for the broadcast. So I uh, contacted Scott. We researched. Then there really wasn't any audio. So I re-recorded the thing. So by the time I preached it twice in a row, I, I thought I had it honed down pretty well. But the point, though, was that God was saying, and he had spoken this on Saints Radio, and, and particularly you know, Monica had felt that uh, it was a prophetic directive for a pure, the pure language. And so I felt then, okay, we need to find out what that means. And the onus of the message from Zephaniah was that the purity in that pure language is something that is refined by fire, something that then becomes a reflecting point of metal that was used regularly for um, weapons and was used regularly for medallions of authority. And uh, so the, the pure language that God speaks about for this end time is that he is calling a people who will submit to him, to serve him, to be his army of sons who will reflect his light and who will be uh, continually being submitted to him uh, that our, our faith might be purified. And um, that is just, just immediately before the Babylonian captivity and as I mentioned earlier, you know, Tammy's message spoke from a lot of passages today in Sunday school, but there was a, there was a, a, a significant um, devotion to the words of Jeremiah. So I said all that for this reason. Uh, I know that the Spirit is, is really using the saints in these days in ways that we have not been used before. And he is also activating in this time of the end capacities within us and the demand upon us to serve him in measures of authority that are biblical, but that we perhaps have not... Um, that we've not considered before. And so he spent a great deal of time over these decades teaching us so many things in his word, and he's continuing to do that. But he truly formed a foundational base upon which we all see our identity in God and what our, what our, um, what our responsibilities are as intercessors and as those who would, who would obey and serve him throughout the world, and then how we make disciples throughout the world. We've had a lot of decades now of experience in that, and he's not doing away with that, but he's adding to. And so he's refining us. He is, he is continuing to, to press various areas in our life so that we will be ready for the demonstration of authority that he's given us. 
And there are a lot of passages in scriptures that say rather obscure things that we probably scratch our head at, uh, knowing that it's the Word of God, but we don't really understand exactly what that phrase means or how it should be applied. And God is selectively taking us to different ones of those and saying, this is my living Word, and I'm, I'm going to activate this in your life today. And that brings us to this message that we're having going to endure, endure today. Um, beginning like on Thursday morning, I read this passage, and I knew the Lord had directed me to this passage. And as I read it, I just couldn't shake it. I mean, it, it, it just stuck with me. And it has to do with seeing, we're going to read this, but seeing a brother who sins, and then you release some measure of forgiveness for them and the release of life. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't shake this. And I thought, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm praying. I, I know, I know this is something you're wanting me to concentrate on. I don't really know what all this means. Because to me, honestly, as I read this in the past, I thought, I believe this is the Word of God, but it's, it's kind of Catholic. And, and so uh, I didn't dismiss the Word, but, you know, when you're talking about forgiving somebody's sins, I mean, it's not forgiving them for something they did to you, but forgiving a sin that you see them commit. That's a little bit strange, but yet it's the Word of God, and we're going we're gonna to suggest on the basis of Scripture, what that means and, and what it, how it really should function with us as saints going forward as we make disciples, which is what we're commanded to do around the world. And so I, I started studying this, and I thought, oh, this is, this, is a, this is a great study. I'm enjoying this. Never thinking I would, I would be, uh, I would be uh, bringing this before you today. So I was sitting in my office on Friday morning, and I have a little book that my precious brother, H.C. Noah, who gave me the start in public ministry, well, in a pastoral ministry, um, the great pastor of Oak Cliff Assembly for many, many decades, he had he'd given me, uh, at my ordination, this book, which was a one of those day by day through the years from Oswald Chambers. And it's a little leather-bound thing. It has my name on the front, and he wrote some really sweet words in there. And I, I keep it there in my desk, and I don't, I don't go through it every day throughout the year because I've done that several times in these decades. But every now and then I'll just pick it up and do, you know, the old, the old thing where we just open it up, you know, like, and that joke, go thou and do, Judas went and hung himself, go thou and do likewise, that old joke. But I think, you know, so many times the Lord has spoken to me through that. So I opened, I opened that book and boom, it landed right on this verse. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, Father, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to speak on this. <laughs> uh, it, and it's, it's just odd to me, but the more I prayed about it in these past couple of days, the more I recognize that this is a very real spiritual uh, exigent that we are going to have to understand and apply as we go throughout the nations in these next couple of years, and as we deal with people that we as saints have a responsibility for. And, and it's important that we understand clearly the difference between this and the forgiveness of sins that leads to salvation. Because the Scripture speaks about a number of these things, and I dare say when you read them, you think, oh, that's interesting, and you probably just skip on by them because it seems kind of weird to be talking about forgiving somebody's sins, doesn't it? Now, it's, again, I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I said something nasty to Debbie, and she, she forgave me. She's real sweet, and I was so sad. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Of course, I don't say nasty things about you. But uh, the, the thing, though, is that, this is sin. This isn't just you did something nasty to me, so I'm going to forgive you. And there's a reason that John says this, so we're going to look at it today. 
And I love this passage, 1 John 5, verses 14 through 21, because you could almost call this the we know that passage, because over and over again, John is saying, we know that, we know that, we know that. It really is a treatise on what we should know. So let's read this together, 1 John 5, beginning at verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now let's stop right there. The, the prayers and the petitions that he's talking about here are from our friend Aiteo or Eteme. We've taught on this. This is the type of prayer that Jesus spoke about in the middle of the book of John when he was saying, I'm going to my father and you are going to be able to ask him, Itema, which is a direct measure to the highest authority, you being a lieutenant of that authority. It, it requires you to be functioning in the authority he's given. You respond to him. You act on his behalf. It's different than the prosuke we're going to be talking about in the next passage. So here John, who was the one who wrote that under the anointing of the Spirit in the middle of the Gospel of John, and who was there when Jesus was saying it, is speaking about this type of prayer. Iteo and the petitions are itema. And again, we wrote on this, we've studied, taught on it, but we know the petitions we desire of him. And then he goes into this. If any man see his brother sin a sin, that's harmartia, double issuance of harmartia, and to miss the mark, which is not unto death, he shall ask, there's our word again, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, but and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sins not, but he that is begotten of God keeps himself, and that wicked one touches him not. And we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And what a way to end a letter. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Now, what does all that mean? I told you, it seems it's the Word of God. It's anointed. We understand all that. But it just kind of seems, scratch your head, what in the world does that mean? You see a brother, a brother, not some ne'er-do-well going down the street who's spewing some kind of nonsense. You see a brother miss the mark, and that missing of the mark, you notice, and you, you see that, and you then utilize this capacity of connection with the Father, and you ask for a measure of forgiveness for them missing whatever it is that mark is. And that life then, zoe, the, the ability to function, the ability to bring forth creativity, the, the ability for them to move forward in grace can be imparted and initiated. This is a weird thing, isn't it? It's a very strange concept. Now again, he then adds to it by saying, you can do this as long as it's not a sin unto death. <laughs> and then he clarifies in some way by saying, you know, all sin is failing in righteousness. There's a sin unto death, but there's a lot of other sins. And if we're really functioning after God, we're going to be pursuing not missing the mark. But if you see a brother who misses the mark, and you can, you can then pray before the Father to release life into them, hopefully that then they step back into a righteous pathway of obedience. 
But again, what is this sin unto death? What does that mean? I mean, John, you look at it, he mentions it, and then he doubles down on it. So it was not a misspeak. Um, some, and there, there are opinions all over the map on this. Uh, one of them is that they commit a sin and then they die. Well, that goes without saying. Uh, another is that they, they commit a measure of, of missing the mark and they, they do so in conjunction with the demonic which is, to me, the context of this whole thing. He ends this par paragraph in this letter by saying, stay away from idols, which is demonic worship. And if, if people go off into that, they're in a bad place. And you, you cannot, that's between them and God. They've committed treason then. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about those that tasted of the heavenly gift, experienced the powers of the world to come. And we know that, that beginning. And if they turn away, it's impossible for them to be able to come back to that, to that exact place where they've been. That's what the scripture says. And so we know it's a serious business when you either abrogate what God has commissioned you to do in the deeper things of the spirit, or if you just absolutely cross the line and you go after the demonic. You, you, you can't do a whole lot about that. I mean, that then becomes something that the eternal affairs of the throne are, are bringing you to account. And you can pray from here to Sunday, and it's not going to have any effect. Oh, but the Lord hears all your prayers. Start reading some of those Old Testament passages that you may have skipped through when you read through the Bible. There were times where, like to Jeremiah, God said, look, I'm just going to give you an advance. Don't you pray to me about these people because I'm not going to hear you. They have partnered with the queen of heaven and they have totally, totally drop kicked me. That's my phrase. So don't pray to me about them. And that when, when you start dealing with demonic beings and you start buying into those heretical lies and you start turning yourself from the truth to follow that, you're in a whole different category, and you're going to have to answer to God. Now, we can ask that God would awaken them, but um, this business here, I think that's more of what um, John is referring to, this sin unto death, and he links it with the idols. Now, we know Matthew 12, and Jesus said this in three of the Gospels, so it was not a misprint, no matter how many times the... Uh, the modern progressive church would try to eliminate this. I mean, it's spoken in the mouth of three specific gospel references. And Jesus says this, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. That's pretty big stuff, isn't it? And who's saying this? Jesus is saying this. So I think he knows what he's talking about. So what is this sin against the Holy Ghost? Now, we as Pentecostals back in the day, we, uh, we kind of danced around this. I see Dennis smiling, so he's heard the same messages as I did. Um, and there are a lot of people who said that when we were speaking in tongues and we were believing in the Pentecostal message that we were of the devil. And uh, we'd say, you, gotta be, you folks better be careful because you're speaking words against the Holy Ghost. And I think that there's probably something to that, but yet I think it's a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper. And it if we know what we know about our study in the scripture of the, the, the saintly wind, one of the seven spirits of God is listed in the scripture, um, that when you, when you are touching that, that dynamic that God released into his church at the day of Pentecost and the birth of the ecclesia, when you, when you stand against what the Holy Ghost is doing, when you stand against that measure of the restoration that the throne of grace is intent upon, 
you are on dangerous ground. And if you stand against that, you're, you're going to have to answer to the throne in a way that is not going to be pleasant. So to me, you know, you could also bring this into this sin unto death, but I think that there's probably a, a combinative factor there where if somebody is partnering with the demonic, they're also going to be going against whatever the Holy Spirit is doing. And we see that a lot nowadays. You think, well, this is kind of an extreme message. Well, we see it all around us. We just talked at our last seminar uh, during a couple sessions about many of the lies, the demonic lies that are being taught in churches all over this city. You can just drive down the street right now and make a quick right, and they'll be talking a lot of things about demonic truths and saying that, you know, all truth is God's truth. You know, the Word of God is, is not perfect, and there are other writings that are just as, as good as the Bible. And, you know, uh, to me, that is, uh, that is <laughs> to say it's demonic doctrine is, uh, is to speak lightly. You know, there are other factors right now where there, and I, I'm telling you, this is happening We've dealt with it, and we continue to deal with it. Around the world, there are demonic beings that are appearing to people, angels of light, and saying that they are equal to God and, and really trying to recruit these ones to begin to partner with them and to serve them. This is, this is an amazing and horrific thing. And why would we be surprised at that? I don't know, because the Bible says that in the end time, God will release seducing spirits, seducing spirits to those that are willing to listen. And that's, that's you know, seducing is not Mata Hari. It's seducing is an alternative pathway alongside the main road. And you know, you say, well, you know, we're serving God too. Look, we can see you're right there. You know, you're, don't condemn us. That's a seducing pathway. And there are spirits that, that the Scripture says will be operative in empowering that kind of thing. And, and so we as saints are in the middle of this. We're, we are seeing these things happen in real time. We're seeing the prophetic word of God come to light in ways, in, in ways that they could not have come to light in until the timetable of God says, here it is, see it, here it is. And we're seeing this. And so I see a lot of things as you do that I know is just flat demonic. I mean, it is just it, it riles me inside. And, and I know that it's not just me getting irritated. You know, I, I know that it is demonic doctrine. I know that it's just almost like Satan himself speaking. You know, when I was reading all those, those books and preparing for the last seminar, and, and I, I think I probably, let's see, I read eight books, and they weren't dime novels. I read eight books, and there were sections of those books. And I'd pick it up, I'd declare the blood of Jesus, and I would state emphatically before I even began to read, I'm doing this under the direction of the Father so that I can speak to the saints about this. And I would ask cleansing after I read it. But there were sections of it that I thought, Satan himself is writing this. And even one of the authors, it was like, you you started reading a certain paragraph and you knew that that guy wasn't writing anymore. And you knew that this was just straight from Satan himself or from Behemoth or from some other prince of the power of the air, some other. It, it, and, and these things are just being embraced and taught. And so we're dealing with this now. <laughs> Whether you realize it or not, we're dealing with it now. The end of all things is rushing. We are, we are privileged to be living in this time frame that all the prophets looked to. And it's, it's an incredible moment. But there are those that we will probably know 
are just functionaries for the demonic. And you can feel bad for them. Uh, you, 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 can, you can know that they're just, they're not only going to hell probably, they're dancing around the flames right now. And, you know, they're, they're disputing the Holy Ghost. They're disputing what God, they're rejecting God's holy word that not one jot or tittle will pass away. And, and they're speaking other de- demonic doctrines, doctrines of devils. And you can see that, and you just have to surrender. Just like <laughs> the example of Michael, when the, the, the contending over the body of Moses, and Satan came, and there was a contending over that. And Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. And even in the book of Zechariah, where Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. This is one plucked from the burning. And we've got to have the wisdom to know that when we come to something that is just devotedly demonic, and, and you know that it is, it is really a sin unto death, back off. You, you, I mean, the Scripture tells us this. Because when somebody's in that position, we know from the Word of God, God's looking at it, and He's saying, it's not that I don't care, but they're on dangerous ground. You leave them to me. But there are those, according to what John, and John was a son of thunder, <laughs> uh, he, 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 he didn't come by that name cheaply. Um, he says that if we see a brother, and then he talks about unrighteousness, missing the mark of the vision, if you see that sin, you can go before the Father in Iteo, and you can speak to God about that one and ask God to forgive the fact that they've stepped out of the perfect alignment and release life back to them. To ask God to correct their course and their vector and to impart that measure of life that they should be fulfilling. And I believe that there are people like that that we know right now. We're going to talk about judging here. That's the next passage we're going to look at because we don't need to be entering into the spirit of criticism or the spirit of judgment. God warns us about that. But you don't have to be judging anybody to know, hey, this guy or this gal was walking in the path of righteousness and what they're doing now ain't that. That's not judgment. That's just reading the box score. That's not them saying, well, they're not doing the things that I think they should do. No, it's pretty clear. They're not walking in light. And it's not that they've gone over into some demonic doctrine. It's not that they've gone over and started cursing the Holy Ghost. But they're missing it. And we can, according to what the Scripture says, release a word of forgiveness before the throne, a brother here. We're not talking about the forgiveness of sins and soteriology. But a brother here, and we can release life. That's what John says. And I wonder how many people like that without being judgmental. I'm going to read this first, so just get ready. How many you know that are in that boat? And what the Spirit would have you to do in conjunction with the Scripture to ask God to revisit their calling, the crypto of their spirit, and to ask God to forgive them for missing the mark, and to ask God to rekindle life in them so that they'll move back into the righteousness that God has laid before them to fulfill. I believe that this is something that, that we, we need to be doing in love, with fear and trembling, because, you know, God wants us to be a people of redemption. Let's look at some other scriptures, and hopefully as we look at these few I've got a few passages.
um, we'll see a greater clarity. Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. There's a lot of verses that tell us not to judge. And there's a passage that says, you know, uh, however you forgive, that's how the Father's going to forgive you. And, you know, the very next page in that Oswald Chambers year through the Bible thing said, uh, would any of you go and stand before God and said, God, I want you to judge me in the way that I've judged others in my life? <laughs> that's a shocker. I read that and I put, put the book down and said, okay, that's enough of that for the day. <laughs> Uh, I'm just being real honest with you. Well, what kind of preacher do you want? Somebody that comes up here with stiff hair and just tells you stuff that you know he doesn't really want to believe? You know, this is the, this is the thing. We cannot be judgmental. There's a lot of things that people do that you're not going to like. There are a lot of things that what's decent and in order in your life, they're just blowing it out of the water. They're just doing stuff, and you think, why are they doing that? We all think that, no matter how holy and pure you are. Well, maybe not. Bev probably doesn't do that. But most of us do. And, you know, I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I mean, we don't need to be critical and judgmental. You know, we live in a glass house. We shouldn't be tossing stones. But, you know, the point, though, is, is that what John was saying is not judgment. It's knowing that a brother is not walking in the things that they have publicly committed their life to. They're missing the mark. And if you see that, you need to go in Iteo, and you need to pray for them before the Father and ask God to forgive them for that missing of the mark in their pathway and ask him to rekindle the life of what their calling is. That's what John was saying. That's what John was saying. And I think the one who had his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper knew that's what Jesus would want. Let's keep going. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I quoted that a minute ago, but I thought I should just read it just so you knew I wasn't making it up. We have to be people that are a forgiving people in our, in our walk, in our life. And uh, we, we have to turn every cheek we have. And we need to be very careful that we don't take umbrage and, and, and really hold uh, animosity for things that people do because people are people just like you are, and they're always going to be doing wacky things. Listen, it's just the truth. But what John is talking about in 1 John 5 is something that's a bit different because you're not talking about forgiving somebody for something they've done to you. You're talking about somebody who's missed the mark of righteousness and they're not fulfilling the calling that as a brother you know they have committed themselves to. Now, in the past, we've seen people who've done that. And I have to confess, I've grieved over them, and I've been hurt, not personally, but hurt because, you know, these are beloved brothers beloved, sisters beloved, and, and we've all felt that. But I think that as we're entering into this season where the stakes are so high, uh, I know you've recognized, as Les was talking about, keeping focus and, and um, keeping your eye on the mark and moving forward. Uh, we need one another, and, and, and I think that we need to be praying for one another, not judging one another, not trying to impress our mores or our personal peeves on others, but if we see somebody that's stepping off from a calling that they've committed their life to that we all know God has given to them, we need to go, and John says, release a word of forgiveness, an itail of forgiveness, so that life would be revisited. That's, that's very important. Let's look, just unless, unless you think I'm just 
totally wacky here. Let's look at Pastor James. James 5, verses 14 through 19. Now, here a different word for prayer is used, and we'll say, we'll explain why. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray, prosukamai, over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer, yuke, of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray, yukamai, one for another, that you may be healed. Now, then he talks about how powerful prosukamai is. How about how that uh, Elijah prayed this kind of prayer? It's that type of prayer, remember, that is linked together with supplication. Uh, he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and rain came. The effectual, fervent prosukamai of a righteous man avails much. So he's talking about the power base of what the church should be, but he leads into it by saying, hey, look, you need to be, and he uses the root of prosukamai, the prayer, the UK of faith, save the sick. And if they've committed sins... It'll be forgiven. What, why UK? Why, why? Because that is the root of what God wants to do in that person. Now, prosukame is always pros. It's reaching forward to what God has revealed in supplication that he wants to do. You're speaking forth things, a praise, as it were, directed from the throne for what is coming and what God wants to do. That's why it's different than Iteo, because Iteo is, is partnering with God and talking to him about things. It's really not extending out in grace on the battlefield. It's a discussion with God. That's where that, that word in 1 John was Iteo and Itema. But here, we look into the person who comes, and for whatever reason, they're suffering. They're, they're coming to confess their faults. They're coming to confess their sins to a people, to you, to the elders. And you pray about that deposit of God within them, that good thing of God within them. You anoint them with oil, which really represents their being willing to be pressed and the essence of who they are submitted unto God. But here again, you have this business of forgiving sins and them confessing faults, which sounds a whole lot like what John said, doesn't it? Now, again, I know that the Catholic faith and other ecclesiastical religions have taken this and made it something that I believe is much different from the spirit of what God wanted. And we are not the emissary for people to become born again. We're the, we're the message. I'll never forget when we first went into France and the pastor that welcomed us there, Marc Lebrun, he, he warned me. And the team was there, but he was talking to me. And he said, when you go around France and you're talking about prayer and you're talking about releasing spiritual gifts to people and activating them and you're talking about visions and you're talking about angels, he said, there's going to be a lot of people that are interested in that because France is a very mystical nation. But you need to, at the very beginning of what you do, you need to lead those people in a prayer of faith that they ask God, that the whole congregation ask God to forgive their sins through the sacrifice of Jesus and accept him because many of those people have been raised in Catholicism and they've never prayed that. They've only gone to a man. They've only gone to a priest. And you know, you need to do that. And I've never forgotten that word, and I'm saying it again here almost 30 years later. Um, 
So I'm not talking here about expunging the sins of people so that they can go on to heaven. You can only you can only find that through accepting Jesus for yourself and making confession before God of, of accepting him, and that's the only way to the Father. So I can stand here all day and forgive your sins, but I'll never be able to transact that. That has to be done between you and God. This is a different thing, what John is saying. And it's about a brother. It's brothers and sisters toward brothers and sisters. And James is conveying the same thing. And, and James also then reminds, you know what? You who are spiritual, mnemonicos, consider yourself lest you also fall. So this is, this is really a warning. So we're not being judgmental. We're not being uh, as those that are um, moving in, in any measure of, of uh, being critical or taking more, <laughs> uh, more authority than we should. But this is something we need to be doing. Now, we're, we've got just one more verse of Scripture that we... Um, um, did I read? Oh, at the very end of that James 5 passage... Uh, toward verse 19. Brethren, if any of you err from the truth and one convert him, if you err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a, hide a multitude of sins. That's, that's just interesting. Keep it in the context there. Keep it in the context. Okay, James 5. I toss this one in. It goes along with that judgment business. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned, because the judge stands before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, please, who <laughs> have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Grudge not. You know what that word is? That's stenazo. That's our old friend groaning. That's what we groan in the spirit. Creation groans. It's that kind of depth of the spirit kind of an expression that is a type of intercession that is really amazing uh, in, its, in its power, in its, its, its depth. And it, it's, James says here, again, don't grudge one against another. Don't use your high-powered gifts on people that irritate you. Don't do it because... You, you're going to be condemned if you do that. Does that make sense? This, you're going to have to chew on this a while. But it, it all comes down to the power and the authority that God is giving to his people in these days to represent the kingdom. We've got to utilize it wisely and biblically. We cannot go off into judgmentalism. We cannot ride our high hobby horse of telling everybody how they're wrong and they're going to hell. We cannot be, unless God says, you deliver a word, you're being given an opportunity to preach or to speak, and you speak it forth. But just on a personal level, if that's all you do, you're grudging against one another, uh, you're going to be condemned. The judge stands at the door. You don't want to be on the wrong side of the judge. Here come the judge. You don't want to be on the wrong side of it. And you should not judge lest you be judged. You cannot do that. I quoted from the prophet Flip Wilson there just a minute ago, for those of you who didn't know. Um, so, uh, how does he know that? It's the Spirit. It's amazing what you say under the anointing. <laughs> quoted C.M. Ward, so I'm safe amongst the assembly's brethren. Um, the, the, the thing, though, is, is that we've been given... Such a privilege to be able to stand as saints in these end days. And we're surrounded by demonic doctrines that are parading themselves as angels of light. And people are following these seducing spirits. And, and it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible environment. And, and guess what? You know, gross darkness is on the earth and uh, darkness is upon the earth and gross darkness upon the people, and it's only be going to become more and more. You might as well just get ready for it. So how do we act in the midst of it? 
of those that are going off the deep end in the demonic, they're answering to God. What good is it going to do for you to damn them? They're already damned. They don't need your help. Just know that. And if you, if you get after some that are demonized and they're not wanting to be free, how are you any different than the sons of Sceva that went out on a joyride just trying to cast out every spirit in the name of Jesus? You better make sure that you're not doing any drive-by deliverances or any drive-by judgings because you're, you're a specialist from the throne and you, you need to go where God says and not go where he's silent. So we are given authority and we're going to be responsible to use that authority in increasing ways. But for us today, again, not being judgmental, not being critical, not, not uh, grudging against somebody, there are those that I believe in the spirit of the love of the Lord, you, you do recognize that have stepped out of the pathway, the pathway of righteousness. And to the best of your knowledge, they've not committed the sin unto death. But you need to be going before the Lord as the God who we love directs and say, Father, this one, this brother, has stepped out of the light. I know that they have. It's not me judging them. I just know that they have. It's obvious. And I ask you to forgive them. Don't let them be burdened down by that. You know, because when you, do, when you step out of the things that you know you're supposed to be doing for the Lord, that creates a lot of negative influences. And it could, it could be like a weightiness that draws them further off course. And it's kind of like getting into quicksand. The more they step, the deeper they get sucked in. And so if you see that happening, you, you, need, to, you need to go before the Lord and say, Father, I, I call forth the essence of who they're to be, who you made them to be. I'm not telling them what they should be. I'm asking that you, who have put your spirit within them, would cause them to step back into the light, to step back into the life. I ask that you will forgive them to assuage the things that they've done that have taken them off course and let them find the light again. When people step away, darkness begins to pervade. And sometimes they can be, they can be blinded because of the fact that they've stepped away and they're sinful and they, they're not in a position where they can find their way back in. And so you asking God to forgive in that circumstance and releasing life to them can be a measure of sending a lifesaver from the Spirit to them to bring them back in. And nobody, they may never know that you prayed that. And you don't need to say, well, brother, I prayed this for you. You need to be careful of that. It's best that, the best thing that we should ever hope for is that we see them back on the pathway. Now, if they come and ask, you know what, I've missed the mark. I need to confess my faults. You know, I, because, because I've done this, is what Paul said in the uh, regarding the table of the Lord, many are weak and sickly among you, and many are comatose. That's what Paul said because they're not rightly discerning the table of grace. Why would why would there be so many verses like this if we weren't to take some measure of responsibility in the Spirit to apply those verses? You know, so. I believe that we're entering into a time where we need every, we need every brother and sister that we, that we have. I mean, we, we need, and for their own benefit, but from the standpoint of the army of the Lord, we don't need AWOLs. 
We don't need the righteous armor on the left to have gone sideways. You know, you're going to watch some playoff games maybe this weekend. I think there's a team, I think they're called the Cowboys that play. Some of you may be watching that. And if, if somebody in that offensive line takes a, takes a breather, somebody's going to come flying through and sack old Dak and the season's over. We don't need the righteous armor on the right and left taking a breather. If we see them not stepping into what they should, we need to pattern through a godly example the way an example for them. And we need to ask God, Lord, bless my brother. They, I don't know what's going on in their life, but I, but I ask you that you forgive them for, for whatever it is that they may be entertaining and release life to them again. Stir them again. That's not judgment. That's not critic. You're, you're blessing them. But there is a tremendous effect in the spirit realm. Otherwise, the scripture wouldn't say this. And we pray. I mean, so we've got that going on. And then in John's context, you've got those that are just flat worshiping idols. They're worshiping demons. <laughs> they are. That's why he ends the who, who ends a book of the Bible with that parting shot? You know, you're writing a letter, you know, and Dennis was away in the Navy and he's writing to Tammy. He didn't end the letter by saying, stay away from idols. <laughs> That's not the way you end a letter. But John ended a letter that way. John did. And in the context of what he was saying immediately before, you have to say, okay, we're at war. There are demons, and they're pressing their advantage right now, and they are. I'm not giving glory to them, but we're not ignorant of their devices. And if you don't think they are, just open your eyes. Turn on CNN for a couple minutes. Turn on any of the media channels for a couple minutes. And you think, what in the world are these people talking about? It ain't the world I'm living in. What are they saying? You know, I heard, you know, oh, I, won't, I won't say what I heard. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, it's all around us. And so we need to be very wise and keep serving our Father as an intercessor, keep pressing into Him, doing what we're supposed to do, standing where we're supposed to stand. Hopefully that encourages somebody else to continue to stand. But if we see, as the Spirit directs, somebody, a brother beloved or a sister beloved, who is missing the mark of their calling, you need to go before the Father and ask God, forgive them of that. You know that they love you. I speak in, on their behalf in the spirit realm. Forgive them for that and release life into them so that they'll be stirred, that the breath of the Spirit would breathe upon the coals, the embers in their heart, and that it will be stirred to flame again so that they will be what they should be. Am I, am I being clear here? So I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're forgiving people's sins and getting them into heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we're being judgmental. I'm not saying we're being critical. I'm not saying that we've got our list of do's and don'ts, and boy, you better get along with it, or I'm going to tell you how you're missing. I'm not saying that. Nobody wants to be around that. I don't want to be around that. But I am saying that we need everybody. God needs everybody. It's like what Jesus spoke about the 90 and 9. You go out and you find one lost sheep, and there's great rejoicing at that one that has been brought back. Now, again, don't take that out of context. But if, if there are those that you know are brothers, sisters, and somehow... They're kind of waffling out. Pray. Ask God to rectify that. Ask God to breathe life to them. And I believe that that, particularly that this 1 John 5 passage, in the midst of all of those we knows, um, that 
out of this, God wants us to take account of those that are surrounding us. The Spirit may bring somebody to mind. I know that there are some of you right now that are, that are counseling with those that, that have callings that God gave them. Perhaps we need to take an additional strategy and go before the Father and, and ask forgiveness for the ways that they've stepped away. You may not know how they stepped away. You just know they did. Ask forgiveness and release life into them, which is what John says, into that place that God put within them from the foundation of the world. We need everybody. We don't want to lose anyone. We don't want anybody to miss the mark of their calling. We want everybody to fully partake of the reason Jesus came, to redeem us to our Father and to serve him as sons. So I, I don't know how well I presented this, but I do believe that the Spirit in this 1 John 5, I encourage you to read that, verses 14 through the end of the chapter. Read it, because I believe it is a rhema for us, and ask the Spirit to show you how to apply that in your prayer. Remember, it's, it's all Iteo, not, I, not Ikea, but Iteo. It's all Iteo. It's you before the Father in that point of authority, which Jesus said, when I go to the Father, this is what you're going to be able to do. And he uses that word over and over again. And so, and, and then add into it the understanding that James brings about the fact that you're not really speaking prosuke over them. You're speaking to the essence of who they are. They are supposed to be a vessel of prosuke. You're going back to the essence of who God put them, made them to be so that they would be forgiven of their faults and that they would come into a point where their sins, their missings of the mark, are expunged, and they're back on the pathway. Amen? So I don't know who God may be bringing to your, to your heart or to your mind. You may have a list right now. But I do believe that the Spirit is empowering this Scripture for such a time as this. And there is, a, there is a biblical mandate for this type of thing. And I end by saying this, again, to reiterate. On the one hand, you have demonic doctrines. You have them pervading the church in so many ways. We're not just talking about people being lukewarm. We're talking about this is just, this is just vile and demonic and to whatever degree they are blaspheming the Holy Ghost, but is is a factor that God can judge. But they're worshiping idols. I believe that's the sin unto death. So you got to surrender them to God. They don't need you to be cursing them. They're already cursed. <laughs> they're 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 full of curses. So they don't need your help. But for the brother or the sister that's missing the mark, ask God to release a measure of life into their pathway, into their heart, and ask God to forgive them of of that. That's what John says. And let's see what God will do. I, I never would have imagined I'd preach a sermon like this, even though it's the Word. But I do recognize we need this. I, you know what? In dealing with people around the world, there are people right now that I know that are bowing at the altar of idols. I mean, I'm not taking that, I'm not taking that loosely. I know they're doing it. They're telling me they're doing it. But then I know that those, there are those that are drifting. And I need to be using the authority God has given me as a saint and as a son to go before the Father and release that measure. Perhaps we could say it's a, a, a correcting of their focus, that life would come again and that they would reboot and that they would be forgiven. And, and that, again, has more to, to me, it has more to do 
When, when you step away from righteousness and you step away from the path, it has an effect on you. It does. It, it can be a blinding influence. It can be a heaviness influence. It, it, can, it can really corrupt your function. And so that when we're saying, God, forgive them, in some ways we're speaking into the effects of them stepping off the path. So that hopefully when life comes, they'll get right back on. Does that make sense? So I release this to you, and, and, I, and I speak this into our saints' family, and I pray that whatever it is that, that God, uh, however he would use you, that it would be effective for the kingdom. So may God bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be wise as your children in applying these deep principles of the word. The end result is that we want those that you gave your life for to fulfill what you put them on this earth to fulfill with you. So we're asking you, Father, for things that you want more than we could ever realize. And help us to be those vessels of life. We thank you, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.